What's up, bingers? Thanks again for listening, rating, reviewing, and sharing the show. And speaking of sharing shows, I've got a new one for you today. My guest today is relatively new to the true crime podcasting world, but she's taking it by storm. She is an incredible storyteller, and she created the amazing new podcast, True Crime IRL. Please welcome my friend, Kelly Barron's Brink. The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. All right, I am joined today uh, by podcaster extraordinaire Kelly Barron's Brink, who hosts the True Crime in Real Life podcast, uh, which I've just recently become familiar with. And um, I have to say, Kelly, that I had to ask my children what IRL meant. Oh, man. (laughs) Bob, you're so old. Come on, get with the program here. (laughs) I hate it so much. I kept saying uh, True Crime IRL. I was listening to uh, my older boy was in my my truck with me the other day, we were driving around. I was listening to a couple of your episodes. And he's like, well, what is this? I said, it's true crime IRL. It's like I, IRL. I'm like, yeah, it's like, a, you know, IRL, like a website. And he's like, <laughs> like <laughs> .com, it's IRL. Right. <laughs> right. URL, he's like, no, you idiot. A it's URL. A, it's an yeah, IRL. That's what I was thinking. IRL. Oh, my gosh. So if you're, if you're looking yes. for the podcast, you look up true crime IRL, which means in real yeah. life, as I, I now know. Since I was I'm, trying to be real cool with the acronym or whatever, so IRL. Very hip. And now I'm hip because I know what IRL. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so you uh, I, you got into the podcast. The, the podcast is what, about a year old or so? How long have you been doing it? Started in 2019, and then I was like what the heck am I doing? I can't do a podcast. I don't have time for this. I'm not a podcaster. And I quit for a while. And then I had some friends. They were like, we loved your podcast. You need to start back up. So with some prodding, I started back in 2021 at the beginning of the year. So yeah, I've got like 40 episodes, some are mini episodes, some are full length. But yeah, now it's like my full time. It's my life now. So <laughs> Yeah, we we met uh, for the first time at CrimeCon down in in Austin. As first time, yes. was, was that the first? That's the first time you'd been to a CrimeCon, right? That was my first CrimeCon. I had had tickets for a while and just kept transferring them, you know, pandemic and stuff. But right. um, that was my first CrimeCon. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I love your. I want to say like Midwestern accent, but to me, it sounds like a little because you're you're from Iowa. I'm from Iowa. You're originally from Iowa. Originally, but everyone is like. Are you from Minnesota? Like yeah, it, they think it's I'm like thinking. a Minnesota accent. I I did spend like summers in Minnesota. My parents had a place on a lake in Minnesota, so every mm-hmm. summer was like as soon as school would get out, my mom and I would head straight for the lake and like all my summer friends were from Minnesota. So, I guess I do hear it sometimes too. I I I get it. I get. It's totally Midwestern. Yeah. I it, I, it love it. I love it. I love <laughs> it. And it really comes out in the way you say Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota, a boat, a boat. <laughs> it's so, close to Canada. 
<laughs> so so you're you're from Iowa and, mm-hmm. and which is you know I don't have a whole lot of it. I I drive through Iowa. I I I, yeah. I spend a lot of time in the western states uh camping and I hunt and things out there. Yeah. And so I drive through Iowa a lot and it just seems like a like a 700 mile long cornfield is what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. So- yeah. Yeah. It I mean that's what we're known for, corn, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. and lots of lots of agriculture farming and yeah lots of cornfields but we are so much more than that we are like um we have culture and shit <laughs> we have stuff that's <laughs> we have cool stuff like um you know a couple kind of cities des moines is like awesome um lots of stuff fun stuff to do there and uh yeah but it, it it's lots of cornfields yeah you're not wrong you're not wrong <laughs> yeah well i make fun of you but really that's not that everybody hears i'm from michigan and they think like detroit but I, where I actually live Detroit. in Michigan do you, yeah, is oh God, very much Iowa-ish. Every time someone says Detroit, uh, do you have you ever seen that um, uh, Cleveland tourism video? It was like twelve years ago. Oh God, and it's just funny. But sorry, that's off the topic. But at the end, they say Cleveland. At least we're not Detroit. Right. <laughs> it's really funny. So, it's well, where I live, it like, yeah. couldn't be any different than any like it couldn't be any further from what Detroit is. Like I like I'm I'm little. My house is surrounded by cornfields, just like I'm yeah. in Iowa. One of my best friends is from well, not from, but she lived in Grand Rapids, and it oh, yeah. sounded beautiful. I never went to visit when she lived there, but yeah, Michigan. I mean, you're kind of Midwestern too, so yeah, right. I consider myself Midwestern. I don't pronounce yeah. the T in interesting unless I really think about it. Interesting, right? Is that how you say right. it? Yeah, yeah. I say interesting. Inter- but you're very civilized and very like I am pretty high class, highfalutin yeah. I am lady right here. I am the microphone. Yeah. And I've, <laughs> I've learned to speak over the past five years based 90% on what my audience has told me I'm saying wrong. And that was always one of, one of them. I never knew and, it. And I, they they do say, if you oh, say yeah, they, something wrong, they'll tell you. They let yeah. you know, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. But that way, I, I still remember that when someone's like, Bob, it's interesting. It's, I'm like, that's what I said. And then I like listen back and I'm like, interesting. And no, like, you, what? you and Captain and Nick and those, you guys are kind of from that area, kind of mm-hmm. not too far from each other. You all say, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And I didn't. Re- I thought it was just me, and I thought I was just like super dumb. And then I like really well, started focusing. I, on- <laughs> no. I started really like focusing in on saying the interesting, get the T in there. And then I started like listening to other people, or I'm like, it's not me. It's literally everyone from this like five state area. It is. That does that? It is. And I think sometimes I over enunciate. I don't know. I talk really slow. <laughs> Maybe I sound dumb, but I talk really slow and I always like over enunciate. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think you sound slow at all. As, as a matter of fact, I, when I listened to uh, your podcast, you were, you were a fabulous storyteller and you don't seem to have any background in storytelling. What, what is your actual background? My education, my, my degree is in communications. So and I've worked, I worked in radio in my 20s, and I've had jobs in like marketing and PR and things like that. I've always been kind of a little bit of a writer and stuff. So that's kind of where that all came from, 
Yeah. But thank you for that compliment. That's awesome. Thank you. I love telling stories. I like to talk. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. (laughs) We're very good. I listened to the the case we're going to talk about a little later today, um, uh, the case of Todd and Amy Mullis, the murder of Amy Mullis. I was listening to that one. I had a doctor's appointment this morning and I was running around and listening. And I, I, I sat in the parking lot of the doctor's office just waiting for the the next step which is really I, I, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts because of this because of this and mm-hmm. i always want to hear what the the guests you know what they sound like what their show sounds like and it's really not that often where i'm like okay hang on i, I mean there's 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 some of them where i'm like okay i'm 15 minutes and i got a pretty good feel for it that's good enough but uh definitely not the case with yours that oh. i was i was waiting for you to finish the telling the story that's so awesome that I couldn't get a higher compliment than that. You made my day. So that's great. Yeah, Thank it's, you. That's very good. And I'm, ex- and I'm excited to do this because you are I mean, being, a new, you know, a lot of times we have some really big podcasts on, but then I've been trying to, you know, now kind of shift into some of you newer podcasts to get exposure. Yeah. And yours is certainly one that deserves a lot of attention. So if you're Thank listening you. to this, oh, you, guys, you, you so guys much. check it out. She does a, re- Kelly does a really, really good job. Thank you. Um, I was talking to Captain the other night on the phone from True Crime Garage and he uh-huh. was and I told him I was coming on the show and he was like yeah well he's already had all the big name podcasters on <laughs> so now he's having you so I was like well thank you I'll take it <laughs> so that, and when you're talking to captain did, did did he did he call you cuz I noticed you said you talked to him on the phone and people don't generally do that but captain always calls me instead of texting me yeah he is not a texter at all um mm. and I was like okay I'll get like two words back and He's like, you can just call me. So I'll call him. And then we talk for like four hours. And and like he gives, he's, you wouldn't know this. He is, I mean, well, that's kind of mean. You wouldn't know this, but like he is so freaking smart. And um, he has, he always, he's like, write this down, Kelly. I have this idea for you. You need to do this. And like, I have pages of notes from when we talk on the phone because he's always got like a million ideas for me. So he's great friends isn't the, isn't the true crime podcast space such a cool community like that like are people willing to help oh my gosh i've never i've never been like happier and bet like a better fit with anyone in t- than this true crime community it's amazing like i've finally found my tribe you know like my weirdos uh-huh. my friends and everyone is so welcoming and just like totally you know exchanging ideas like Oh, you need this. You need a graphic. You need this. Like, just everyone's and open to it's, it, yeah, I can't say enough good things about the true crime community, not just the podcasters, but the fans, just everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, it's super cool. And I want to give a weekly shout out to our, uh, speaking of uh, fans, our production manager, Erica Cantor, who's, who's creepily stalking watching us on. on, on I don't on see her. Is she? Right oh, hi, Erica. No, no, there she is. <laughs> She's, She's working in her DNA lab right now. Uh, and I'm, I'm so here. interested in that. I'm like, what are you doing in there with all that science <laughs> stuff? That's so cool. It's very sciencey. It is. You know, that no. was, <laughs> that was uh, you, you know, I, I, I don't want to like harp on it all the time, but like what you just said, that's like Erica was a listener and I was like, I could use some help. And she's like, me, 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 me. I want to help, you know, and, and she does a, a mm-hmm. fabulous job uh, uh, setting everything up and, and managing the whole production. Um, John Hayes That's is so another cool. listener who the artwork that will be out for your episode, uh, the artwork is created by oh, another nice. listener, John Hayes. That's, doing That's all of our so good because, as you know, podcasting is you're doing the job of like 10 people. 
-hmm. you know, it's so much work. I don't think people realize that. And I'm new-ish, but um, I have a few fans too who are like, if there's anything you ever need help with, um, can I just... And it's so great. People are so giving with their time. They just kind of like, they're passionate about this and they want to help and be a part of it. And I'm just now kind of starting to get some people like diving in to help me and I need it a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's very much appreciated too. But yeah. yeah That's so know. cool. And take the help. I I, I, I am. thought that for years. I was like, no, I can't. I don't, I'll just take care of myself. I don't want to burden anybody with doing this stuff. Yeah. And, and you and you don't even realize how many steps there are to each mm-hmm. thing. When Erica asked me to get put together for her like a bullet point list, like this is the process you go through to schedule a guest and get it ready. And I, t- I typed it out. I'm like, son of a bitch, no wonder I don't have any free time. That's like 20 I steps know. For each even guest. just that and that's just one thing about podcasting. Mm-hmm. There's just so much, so much. Yeah. Yeah. I do it full time now, so and now I have more time to give to it, but so I was just going to ask you, do you have any any day job now or are you 100% full-time true crime podcaster now? I'm 100% full-time true crime pa- podcaster. I still do um, like radio voiceover work for some local radio stations and marketing companies and things like that as like a little side gig. But um, I'm true crime, 100% podcaster. And I, but I do like... Um, graphic design still and stuff like that. I've got mm-hmm. some, uh, I do some graphic design for print on demand companies like Zazzle and things like that. So I get royalties from work I've done in the past and stuff, but mm-hmm. m- mostly, mostly full-time podcasting now. You do voiceover work. How long have you been doing that? Um, well, I worked in radio in my twenties. Uh, the last year though, I've been doing voiceover work just locally, like radio stations and marketing companies who need a fresh voice because they get a little saturated doing like two people doing all the commercials and stuff. So I do a little bit of that too. About a year for that. But yeah, like in my twenties, I had a show and it was called 10 Great Songs from One Great Year on a classic rock station and stuff. So that's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you've been in the space for a little while. So, so like, did yes, you have I'm like old. a? <laughs> did you have like a DJ voice? Like, or did, uh, was it just Kelly's voice? I don't think I had a DJ voice. Maybe I'd step it up a notch um, from my regular voice because I think my regular voice is horrible. But um, I would kind of try to suck like this a little. No, a little douchey right, voice. Number no. <laughs> nine on the charts. It's coming yeah. at you. Oh, and high. I loved. Hair bands. That was my favorite. <laughs> if you, okay. I'm, I'm trying to piece together without being rude and asking you your age, but I feel like we've got to be pretty close judging from. I think 20. I'm probably older than you. If you are, I'm pissed because you I, look 10 years younger than me. I'm 40. I just turned 44. God damn it. <laughs> I'm 42 and I look 60. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you do not. So you have, besides the podcast, you have a YouTube channel also. What do you do there? I have a YouTube channel. I kind of just started it. And you know who actually was like, you need to be on YouTube. It was Captain from True Crime Garage. He's like, you need to be doing YouTube stuff. And I was like, no, because that would mean I actually have to like put makeup on and stuff during the day and do that. But um, yeah, I just kind of started it the last couple months. I've got a few videos, but I'm trying now to do every full length episode that I um, launch on Fridays. I'm trying to do both a YouTube and an audio podcast um, version of it. Have so, you put? I haven't. Yep. I haven't had a chance to check out your YouTube channel. Have you put any of those out yet? Yes, the, the full length. Yep, yep. Um, 
might. I, sorry, I'm just thinking of like, because like your show is similar to like my Truth and Justice, right? It's scripted mm-hmm. and you're doing this whole thing. And I, and when I do Truth and Justice, I have a million retakes, messing stuff up. having. Tell me I, about it. I can't it. imagine trying to edit that into a video that flows. Oh, yeah. I spend all my time editing, but I <laughs> I edit a lot less on my YouTube version. I just I just am like, well, you know, people are just watching me talk into a microphone. I'm sure they understand that. There are going to be some you know, flub ups or whatever. So I, I just, I don't edit it as heavily and I don't put like all this, the music and stuff on my YouTube version that I do mm-hmm. on my podcast version. But yeah. Because of the, the, the music <laughs> on the podcast version. So I was listening to this episode we're talking about today, the Mullis case. That was your like 10th episode. That's an older episode. Yeah. And the music yeah. in that is is on point. Do, do, do you do all of your, your own editing and scoring? I do. Yep. I do all of it. And with my, well, I'm, music is like, I, I'm so into music and I, I, so I incorporate a lot of music into every episode and I do it all myself. I just kind of just I like movies. I like um, drama and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so I think that has helped me kind of know where to place the music beds and when to fade out and when to fade in. But I do it all myself. So, yeah. Wow. that's uh, You are a woman of many, many talents. <laughs> Thank the you. The music that you just do you draw back on your old like shock jock Kelly days. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because when I used to do that, I would, you know, put together commercials. I'd do a lot of stuff like that. And I'd put all I do all the editing and do the music so that's kind of my background coming into play in the podcast too so yeah and um my theme music was done by Captain from True Crime Garage so I was going to ask you yeah. there were some 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 of the scores I was hearing and like in the theme music cuz that sounds very sounds very captain-esque yep he so did like it he wrote, yeah. He did your music yeah i used to have just kind of like a royalty free um generic music bed mm-hmm. that I used for my intros. Um, but he was like, nope, you need something a little, you need to step it up a little bit. So he made me a, a theme, theme music, theme intro. And so, yeah, I love it. It's kind of like, um, it's like electronic and nine inch nails and kind of like dark. Yeah. So like yeah, the kind of shit Captain he did that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so if you like his music, you'll love mine. So my how podcast. <laughs> How did you get, was this like before CrimeCon and all that? Like, how did you get to know Captain before the, um, before like CrimeCon? Yeah. Um, I've been into true crime for years and they were one of my favorite podcasts. We, you know, I would, we would, we followed each other on social media and all of that. So you kind mm-hmm. of get a, get to know someone a little bit, but we met the first time at CrimeCon and just bounced a lot of business ideas off of each other and mm-hmm. stuff. So. That's kind of, that's where we met CrimeCon in Austin, which was great. It was kind of small, you know, this yeah. year with pandemic stuff. So it was a fun opportunity to get to know everybody. So, yeah. I'm, I'm be, you know, I'm just thinking back, like I've known Captain for a while and I don't think he's ever offered me any business advice at all. <laughs> I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that I look like a 60 year old man and you look like a 30 year old <laughs> woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, surely not. Possibly have anything to do. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. No, nope. I'm beefing with him. I'm going to see him on on Thursday because I um, know, I know, I heard all about this, and I would be coming to. Is it Columbus? Cleveland. Cleveland. Okay, I would yep. be coming there 
to watch you guys if I wasn't going to an epic music festival this weekend, which I am. Um, but yeah, I'm that was that sounds awesome. I would love to see you guys there. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. So Josh Hallmark arranged the whole thing and we're doing it. It's by the time this episode will air next week or two weeks. So it'll be a couple weeks ago when, when people hear this. But you know, Josh arranged it and, and he reached out to me. He's like, hey, Cleveland's kind of halfway between us. You want to come meet and do a live show? And he's like, well, we'll be in Ohio. We should reach out to Nick and Captain. And then yeah. uh, it was Saturday night. I'm sitting on my couch with my kids and my phone starts blowing up from Maggie Freeling. Oh, I love her. She's so cool. She's like my, she has lots of tattoos too, like me. So she's yeah. awesome. Yeah. She, well, she, I, I get a face, like first contact. And this is like very aggressive. It's 10 o'clock at night. First contact is FaceTime. Like, oh. no. <laughs> In your face. <laughs> I look at it and I was like, no. And I had just been, I was outside like working in my property. I was like, had my shirt off. I looked like pig pen. I was covered in dirt. <laughs> And I was like, no. Shirtless FaceTiming. <laughs> and Becky, my wife, was like, where did you get? I was like, that's too aggressive. She's <laughs> aggressive. That's and then, funny. And then immediately right afterward, to calling. And I'm like, what is going on? And I tried to answer the call, but I missed it. And then I li- listened to the voicemail, and it's Patrick Hines from Oh, from yeah. Maggie's, yeah, 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 yeah. From, from Maggie's obsessed. phone. Okay. So I FaceTime him back, and, the th- and, and, and Jillian and Patrick and Matt, they had some live show in Boston, I think. They were all together, and they were, oh. they were FaceTiming me. They had all clearly been overserved. I was going to say, there had to be alcohol involved in that, because you don't just like aggressively FaceTime someone late at night if there's not alcohol, especially ganging up on someone. That, that yeah, is aggressive. And I know Maggie's listening to this right now. So Maggie, that was very aggressive, but I'm pretty sure it was Patrick doing it. Um, but so we ended, and we're like joking around, and then and then Maggie starts giving me hell for not inviting her mm-hmm. to the uh, the live show to be part of the yeah. live show, and then she proceeds to tell me that uh, she was talking to Captain and saying, you know, why didn't you guys invite me? And Captain mm-hmm. throws me under the bus, and <laughs> she's I, like, I may have heard a little bit about this too. <laughs> God damn it! It had yes. nothing. It was Josh's thing. He's, Everyone's talking about you, Bob. God damn Your ears it. burning. <laughs> it was a hundred percent Josh's thing, but oh yeah, Captain's like, oh yeah, that's Bob. Bob decided not to invite you. It's just Bob. Bob's a dick. No, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> Captain, Captain, I gonna be beefing on Thursday. That's what's gonna happen. That's what's gonna oh, happen next. I'm sorry, I'm gonna miss it because at CrimeCon in Austin, when you guys did the true crime binge live on stage, that was <laughs> hilarious. That I loved that. That was so good. I love him and Nick so much. Like we have so much fun doing that. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to do one tell. with with um Justin and Aaron at uh the other festival in the True, True Crime, Crime Podcast, Podcast Festival in Kansas City. Yes. Yeah. And my planes and all got delayed. That was crazy. What I'm mostly pissed about is so I got Josh Hallmark to stand in for me. And apparently it was a great show. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the uh, Lisa that runs the thing. Uh, I I was like, you got that audio for me because she was in, and then found out like I guess one of the mics wasn't working the whole time and oh, all no. the audio was just, so I don't even have the audio from it. It was great. Josh did a great job standing in for you, but you got made fun of a lot behind your back. <laughs> well, I sort of started it when I called in and started <laughs> like, uh, Bob, you've lost some weight. <laughs> some comments like that. <laughs> Bastards. Yeah, a lot of that. Yeah. But, but you I was asking there, for so, it. Yeah. Because I called in and and as Josh said, you managed to insult all three of us in 30 seconds and then get off the <laughs> phone. 
it was great. I was in the front row for that one. But um, yeah, you'll have it's to yeah, that, redo that again sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, let's move on. Let's move on to talking about this case. So we're going to this is a case that you covered on True Crime in Real Life, your episode 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the murder of Amy Mullis. Yes. Uh, and convicted of the murder uh, for the murder was her husband, Todd. Mm-hmm. It happened in your neck of the woods in Earlville, yes. Iowa. In yep. 2018, can you share us the give us the the nitty gritty details of this one? Yeah, it's so super interesting story. It is very interesting and um, crazy. It really rocked this community, honestly. So Todd and Amy Mullis were a very successful farming family. They had three kids. Um, they were hog farmers, which there are a lot of around here. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy was actually by trade; she was a nurse. Um, she had some infidelity in their marriage. She had some affairs, um, and I'm not condoning that or anything, but Todd was a really hard person to live with and a very difficult person to be married to. So I think she was seeking something outside the marriage to kind of compensate for that. Um, she was a nurse, but after her, one of her affairs, Todd laid down the law and he was like, you're going to come back. You're going to work on the farm. You're never going to leave my sight and you're going to be with me all the time. So this never happens again. And she, you know, for her kids and everyone wanted to work on the marriage. So she agreed to that. Um, but it wasn't very long where another affair happened, actually. So she had another affair in um, 2018, 2017, 2018 with Actually, someone who was a partner with them in their business, Jerry Frazier was his name. Um, yeah, it was kind of like a, a long, torrid affair, and um, Todd started suspecting that. And so that's kind of playing into Amy's murder. So he kind of, um, well, so, so it was in November 2018 when Amy was, they were, They were all working in the barn, Todd, Amy, and their oldest son, Tristan. Todd asked Amy to go into another barn and retrieve a few things for him. And a lot of time had passed and she never came back. And he was like, what is going on? So he went to the barn that she was working in, supposed to be working in, to check on her. And supposedly he found her on the ground, uh, impaled by a corn rake, which is like a pitchfork. It's just kind of curved. At the bottom. So he called 911. There's a lot of craziness in the 911 tape, too. In, um, in my episode on the case, I slow down and um, slow down the audio and kind of play some things back. There may have been some kind of incriminating comments he made under his breath on the 911 tape. While performing CPR. While performing CPR, yes. And I don't know if you heard that part but to me it sounded like he was saying something along the lines of look what you did you cheating whore or something like that Mm -hmm. so it was crazy and uh the prosecution brought that up in trial so um that was kind of incriminating but um he did try to do cpr he got her to the hospital but it was too late she was gone so she bled to death and had internal bleeding and injuries from the being impaled um what's funny about it is it's so he explained it that she was dizzy and lost her balance and like fell on this corn rake in the barn but uh 
forensic pathologists and um, coroners, they would say something different happened, actually. So the tines of the corn rake um, went into her back is what happened. But they could tell that they, the corn rake had been removed from her back and then she had been stuck with it again at least two to three times. So you don't just fall on a corn rake, get up, fall again on a corn rake, get up, fall again on a corn rake. Like that's right. not something that happens. And I think that's what ultimately made the jury convict Todd because it, the evidence is like, you know, it's there and you can't dispute that. But there were a lot of other things, too, going on at the time that would make the jury think that Todd had something to do with that. So there's some pretty crazy Internet searches that they found on his iPad and, you know, the past history of affairs. And he had threatened her. He was very, like, verbally abusive and controlling. He had threatened that, you know, if you ever have another affair, Amy, I am going to kill you. He told her that. She told her friends and family members that. Everybody knew that he was not happy about this affair and, and their marriage and that, you know, he was kind of a dangerous and scary person. And she told friends that, you know, if I ever turn up missing, turn up dead, it's going to be Todd who did it. She, it was this crazy scary foreshadowing. Um, she even told some of her friends areas on their property where to look for her body if she ever ended up missing. And so, yeah, that's that's the case in a nutshell. Well, it's interesting. Is, is, so he's convicted on, I mean, it seems pretty obvious from the medical examiner that she was murdered. I mean, mm -hmm. like, like you said, you don't, you don't mm -hmm. fall on the same rake three times no. uh, to stab yourself. But then it's, oh, so she's murdered. Who murdered her? Well, you have you know, you have the husband has obvious motive. You have mm -hmm. the, the guy she's having the affair with, because who was also married. There's a whole nother twist there. He's also married and doesn't yeah. want to leave his wife. Exactly. And they, you know, that was all looked into and they mm -hmm. looked at phone records where things were pinging at the time she was murdered and stuff. And um, he had an alibi. He had a solid alibi and his family and friends um, stuck to that as well. And you know, everyone always has their cell phones on them. And so if he would have been in that area, investigators thought that it would have shown up in cell phone tower records and pinging and stuff like that. Right. But, um, so it was pretty clear that the guy she was having an affair with was home at the time, had an alibi, so it wasn't him. So, I mean, what, would it be some crazy <laughs> just stranger who just walked up upon their farm and decided to kill her? Probably not. That's pretty rare. And looking at the history of their relationship and former threats and things like that, you know, it's pretty cut and dry. I think that he's the one who did it. I don't know if I think it's, it's quite that cut and dry. You don't? Okay. No. Well, just from listening to it, but it's, I mean, it, that makes the most sense, but you know it's yeah. So it's some little detail. So the 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 searches that were in there. I mean, he was like on this this iPad or whatever it was. Yeah, there were searches for like how were there searches like how to kill yes. or like, like it was yes yeah clear. yeah yeah. So yes, and um, these internet searches. It's funny they there were I mean thousands of internet searches that they went through from the iPad, the computers. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the computer forensic people on this case were so thorough. It was amazing. And I'm kind of like condensing it, but I mean, mm. hours and hours and hours worth of information they talked about in the actual trial. And a few of the internet searches were very um, suspicious. Um, Todd on his iPad was looking up things like killing cheating wives and what happens to cheating wives in history and where vital organs are located in the body and things like that. So, yeah, that's, I mean, why is he looking that stuff up if he's not planning on it? But, but here's, yeah. the, here's the devil's advocate side is, like you said, Todd was looking that stuff up, but we don't know that it was Todd looking yeah, that stuff I, up. Yeah, and I mentioned that too. Yeah. So, um, in this local community where I'm from, you have people talking, you know, throwing out all sorts of crazy possible ideas. And mm -hmm. I don't know that I believe this, and this is a minor I'm talking about, so I don't know how much I can say or whatever, but like, Todd and the oldest son, Tristan, had a little bit of an unusual relationship. After Amy had her affairs, Todd really worked hard to turn the oldest son, Tristan, against Amy. And they became very, very close and just um, inseparable, really, and uh, just had a really close relationship. And Tristan was not happy with his mom after after. Todd kind of like brainwashed him a little bit, I think. And so some people wonder, did Tristan know about the the murder or plans? Or did Tristan maybe have something to do with helping Todd? Because his testimony during the trial changed, actually. At first, he was um, taking up for his dad, saying, my dad was never out of my sight. He was never away from me more than like a minute. But Later, he, that testimony changed. He would say that actually he was out of my sight for quite a while. So I, things, I don't know. You got to think about, yeah, maybe, maybe he had something to do with it too, possibly. I hate saying that because he's just yeah. a kid. Well, it's hard to tell. And, and it seems, I mean, he was convicted. Todd was convicted. Yes. I was just, I, I, I'm always in these cases. That, like, that's why it's such a good story. And I'm like listening mm -hmm. to all these layers in it and i and i started so my first thought when i was listening to it was the guy she's having an affair with because i was yeah which you know he was alibi but as as, as the story is unfolding right i'm listening to this and i'm thinking why if, if todd's gonna kill her he's got the farm he has all this equipment there's, there's a million different ways that he could do this in a way to hide mm -hmm. it like that seems like a really stupid yeah. impulsive way to do it it does so maybe it was this guy but then yes. he's alibied and then mm -hmm. I go back, and then I was like listening to the internet searches. So Todd is what Todd's a he he's a hog farmer. They slaughter, yeah. raise, and slaughter pig yes. hogs, pigs. Yeah. And I thought, why would a experienced hog farmer be looking up where the anatomy and where vital organs are located? Well, I don't they know. Would... Maybe he was kind of dumb. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I so yeah. Well. Okay, well, back to the hog farm thing. Also, something I wanted to mention, um, one of his threats to her was that he would feed her to the hogs, you know, around Iowa and farms right. and stuff. That's a thing you hear all the time, like, mm -hmm. I'll feed you to the hogs. So that was another thing. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. But one thing that makes the internet search history seem like it actually was him looking all of this up was one minute he would be looking up 
business things, you know, like right. business, like farm insurance and, and you mm-hmm. know, things that only an adult in and only Todd would be looking up. And then literally like the search 30 seconds or a minute later would be like cheating women, killing your wife, blah, 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 blah. Um, so it, they were they were so intermingled. It seems like it had to have been Todd doing that. So sure. Yeah. Because at first I was like, well, maybe, you know, maybe the maybe the sun was up in the because all these searches happened like at 3 a.m., like in the middle of the night, too, which is kind of weird while everyone else in the house would have been sleeping. And I know my teenager um, would stay up late online on the Internet looking at things. Um, but no, it seemed like it was really Todd doing that. So, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like the, most of the case seems that way. It just the the way things because the other, other part that, that we didn't touch on was the body discovered it actually wasn't Todd that discovered her body. He had right. sent his son yes. into the barn to go find his mom. Yep. And yeah, the son so, comes out and says she's in there and she's been Yes. There. Yeah. And first off, if Todd did it, what a horrifying, horrible thing to do to his son, to send right. his son in to find the body knowing that she's dead and a, just, you know, just this grisly, gruesome scene. But that is what prosecutors say he did. Um, he hadn't seen Amy for a while. So he was like, where is she? You know, because he was always wanting to know where she was. So mm-hmm. supposedly he sent Tristan to that barn where he had asked her to get an animal carrier from up in the top of the barn. And um, it looked like, you know, she had fallen on the corn rake or whatever. But um, and so Tristan came yelling for his dad and then they loaded her into the truck. And um, Amy was like on Tristan's lap and then they had to pull out. Uh, Todd called 911, but not until they were already en route to the hospital because they were probably about a 20 minute drive. So they ended up meeting EMTs in an ambulance halfway there on a country road, but it was too late at that point. She was gone. So, yeah, it's 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 super it's it's cases like that that I always end up. That's how I started my podcast. Was listening to a podcast about a pod, you know, serial. Yeah. Like, Wait a minute, like, like I'm, I, as I'm listening when you're telling the story, I'm like, I want to see the Emmys report. Like, I want to see how deep yes. these wounds are and how mm-hmm. because it just there's a, there's just a lot of there, there's mm-hmm. there's it's it's just it's it's interesting. The big thing for me is just that it doesn't in my experience, most farmers, especially successful farmers, are no dummies. These are sharp, sharp guys. Uh, guys, you know, people. And Maybe like business sense. Yes, I know some farmers who are dummies, though. I definitely <laughs> know some farmers who are. Dummies. I know some stupid farmers. <laughs> they may have good business sense, but um, book smart and things like that, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I just well, and, and to me, like, but that's the thing is, there's there's like the practicality of this, right? Like, if mm-hmm. you're going to try to you know to kill your wife and make it look like an accident. Like that seems just like what a stupid what like I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna make it look like she tripped and fell like like what is this Bugs Bunny like, <laughs> like she stepped on a rake. I know like <laughs> I know I know but um I mean I think that really was his plan to make it look like an accident mm-hmm. um I I I just am so sure like in my gut I feel like he did it and when you look at him in the questioning videos and in trial he's just. 
I don't know how I would react if I was in his situation, but he just seems very cold and callous and talking to people in the community who knew him. He was kind of an arrogant ass is is what I heard. So I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Well, whatever it is, he ended up getting convicted and sentenced to life in prison. Um, and if you mm-hmm. want the, the full, and I highly, re- I, I mean, listen to the podcast, all of them, but I would say go to episode 10 and listen to this one, because I'm sure they're all wonderful stories, but I know this one is like, it'll, it'll grab you and it'll send you down an internet rabbit hole for oh, sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's why I suggested this. This is one of my favorite episodes. It's, uh-huh. you know, someone sitting in prison for her murder, but it's like, did he really do it? There are so many questions left behind that are unanswered, and there's so much doubt, um, just so many possibilities. It's not totally cut and dry. And everybody in Iowa and in the Midwest who's heard about this case has definite opinions. A lot of people think he is not guilty. He did not do this. And after I did the episode, I got a little bit of backlash on social media, actually, like, telling me he's not guilty, blah, 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 you're wrong. And I don't know either way. I don't know. I have an mm-hmm. opinion, but I don't know. There's only really two people who know. So, yeah. Exactly. So check out episode 10. Her name is Kelly Barron's Brink. The podcast is called True Crime in Real Life. Look it up, True Crime IRL. It's definitely going to be your next True Crime binge. I know it's going to be mine. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun talking to you, and I hope to see you at a live event soon. Soon enough, hopefully. True Crime Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing. Music and artwork by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is TrueCrimeBinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. And make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. Thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge.